welcome to the Annie Monday Podcast. My name is Colin Hemphill. And I'm Kayla Hemphill. On our show, we roll the virtual dice each week and must watch a randomly selected anime title. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everyone. Last week, we hit the random button on Crunchyroll, and the anime that we rolled is called Fafner in the Azure. We actually rolled uh, what's called Fafner Exodus, but as we mentioned on social media, that takes place much later in the history of this series. So we actually went back to the original series, which uh, its full name is Fafner in the Azure, Dead Aggressor. Uh, this was a 26-episode series that took place in 2004, and since then there have been several follow-up series, a film, a prequel series, and they've actually announced uh, another series called The Beyond that is set for release in 2019. Uh, so these are ongoing, and they appear to be scheduled for the future as well. Uh, the series was produced by Production IG, and uh, fun fact, characters from Fafner have indeed appeared in two of the Super Robot Wars games. <laughs> Throwback to last week. Yeah. Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis of the plot? Sure thing. The world has been devastated by Festum, alien-like creatures with massive destructive powers. The Alvis group has managed to keep one island hidden from these threats for the last 30 years, but the time has now come to defend against the Festum using their advanced Fafner mechs. The teenage pilots of these machines bear the burden of the island's safety in their hands. So, uh, do you want to start with characters or plot in this this particular case? Because <laughs> I think they're a little bit intertwined, obviously, and I'm not sure the best way to kind of present what's going on in this story. I think maybe we should start with the story and then branch out from there. I would I would agree, I think. Uh, the first thing I would have to say about the, the story itself is that the pacing felt really weird. Oh, yeah. Uh, so basically, there are people who live on this island, and when the show starts, they're kind of living a normal life, going to school, going to their jobs. It's kind of a small town feel to it. Mm -hmm. And their entire worldview is shattered within minutes when they find out that this island that they're living on is artificial, mm -hmm. and the actual world outside of this island has been basically destroyed uh, by these creatures. And so far, the show seems to focus mostly on the people who already knew that truth. Yeah, uh, We don't get a whole lot of exposure to the people who didn't know that beforehand, except for the kids who end up piloting the big mechs. It almost seems like the kids are the only ones who don't know. That's kind of what I was wondering is like, we didn't see a whole lot of the population of this island. It, it didn't seem like it was thousands of people. It mm -hmm. really seemed like a small group of several families who know each other and a group of adults who basically knew that all of this was fake and then a group of kids who didn't. Yeah, even when they show like the island, it seems like the whole island isn't populated. It's kind of just this coastal area um, that they show like a bunch of houses and, and the school and everything like that doesn't, doesn't seem like there's, like you said, a ton of people living there. And if that is the case, then basically the whole point of the show is that this particular group of people has decided to raise these children with the sole purpose of using them for combat. Yeah. Uh, from what I was seeing about like the series that seems to be the case yeah which is great which they sort of hinted at too of implying that this is what we 
raise them for. You knew this was going to happen when they do pull the kids into this battle. And this this is kind of a common theme with several of these types of mecha shows Mm -hmm. is that they don't really have a great explanation for why kids are the one who have to pilot these. Other than that, adults are afraid to maybe. Yeah. Uh, We see this in Evangelion. Mm -hmm. Uh, You mentioned Ender's Game, which is Mm -hmm. another parallel that I like to come to. Yeah. Um, My only exposure to that is (laughs) the movie. So (laughs) in the movie, it doesn't make any sense because they're just like, they're good at strategy. So kids do it. It's terrible. (laughs) It's terrible. Um, So there, there seems to be very little motivation for why this is the way it is. Yeah. So that kind of drives me nuts. I don't really yeah, follow it. It seemed like even they were bred for this purpose, like genetically. Um, they talk about how certain kids have stronger markers than others to be able to pilot. So it seems like even having the kids may have been intentionally planned, not even just to use them, but to breed them for this purpose. I think the weirdest thing to me is that they kind of act like the world outside is gone and we just need to move on and try to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. But that's clearly not the case because within these first few episodes, we see that there is what's called the Mm Neo-UN. So there is like an international organization of people who are still alive, who have Mm -hmm. survived, who are flying around. They're like patrolling for Mm -hmm. these creatures to try to make sure everything's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And the island and uh, all the residents are trying to keep their presence hidden Mm -hmm. from the outsiders. Yeah. I think at first it seemed to us that it was just about hiding from the aliens. And then it quickly became that they're hiding from both. They're hiding from the outside world and the aliens. Yeah. Uh, And obviously there's a lot more of the show to go. So maybe they get into why that is, but... Uh, that seemed weird to me. Yeah, definitely. I- I'm sure there's a purpose, but... We even noted there was one time when they uh, were getting attacked by one of the, the creatures and a UN plane was flying overhead and they were mm-hmm. they were so adamant against letting the UN know they were there that mm-hmm. they would sacrifice this plane full of, you know, actual people mm-hmm. in order to uh, be a decoy for one of the creatures. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, Kind of the main character is Kazuki. Yep. Um, He kind of gets introduced um, pretty early on Mm -hmm. and is one of the people who clearly has no idea what's going on. (laughs) And uh, they pull him aside and they're like, okay, you're going to get in the robot and you're going to fight now. Yeah, like 10 seconds before he gets into the robot. Yeah. What do you think of that initial interaction and how he responded to that situation? Super weird. Um, he, he doesn't really seem to react to much of anything. I, I I would imagine that if my worldview had suddenly been shattered and somebody was telling me, oh, by the way, you have to fight in this giant robot thing that you didn't know existed to defeat an alien that is literally destroying the island of which you grew up on, I would have more questions. Yeah. He he didn't he just sort of seemed to be like, "Oh, you want me to be in this thing? But I've never done that before. But you're right. I can do it. Okay, let's go." And that was like the whole conversation. Yeah, it it didn't take any prompting at all, basically. 
Oh, it's so bizarre. And and he's like that the whole time. Every every time he gets faced with some new world-altering reality, he's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, sure. And it seems there may be something more to that. Um, there are little hints when he's actually getting inside the robot for the first time. That's like, wait, I know how to do this. How, how does this happen? Mm-hmm. And so maybe there's some background where he has actually done this before and he's somehow, I don't know. But his reaction was very strange and didn't really flow well at all. Yeah, I mean, even even if it's outside the robot, you know, battle, um, I still feel like his response to, hey, most of the world, including the main island of Japan, has been destroyed. It doesn't exist anymore. I would have way more questions. And it's not like they were raised in total isolation, like this is the only island, this is the only place that exists. Yeah. They actually talk early on about uh, one of the other students, I think, mm-hmm. who had just recently gotten back from a trip to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And all his friends were asking, oh, how was Tokyo? Mm-hmm. So they know it exists, or mm-hmm. it used to at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they've gone on this ruse for that long. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, it, it seems bizarre that they never they never talked about it. And then on top of that, for everyone to just be like, oh, okay, I guess that's okay that Japan no longer exists. Like Nobody seems particularly upset at the information that they're getting. One of the other major characters is Soshi. Mm-hmm. He appears to be the only like child, a teenager, I guess, mm-hmm. who actually knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, his father was the commander of mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. group, uh, Elvis. Mm-hmm. And uh, his father actually dies in the very first battle when yeah. when uh, this creature somehow found out where they were. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know how that happened. Mm-hmm. It just kind of happened. Oh, it blew up the station that he was at. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it did one of the black hole demolishing things. Uh, so I guess because of his relationship with his father being the commander, mm-hmm. he had to be in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she is the one who kind of convinces Kazuki to, hey, you got to do this now because we need a replacement. All two seconds of convincing. Right. <laughs> yeah, his character is sort of strange. They allude to something about him. It seems like he was supposed to be the next pilot. Yeah. But something happened that we didn't get to see, but they showed like like these very f- quick flashes of a flashback where you couldn't even comprehend what it was you were seeing to allude to why he isn't the the chosen pilot. Um, but he is in this assist. Yeah. It seems thing. like the mech itself can't fly. Mm-hmm. And so part of his job is that he pilots a a craft that mm-hmm. will pick up the mech and move it around mm-hmm. in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also serves as some sort of like command center kind of thing mm-hmm. that helps him with intelligence and, yeah. and uh, you know, choosing the right strategic moves against the enemy, things like that. Yeah, yeah. So they do work together through through the combat stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems strange. Um, I think something that at least makes a little bit of sense about his character is he's he comes off really awkward. He doesn't seem to have good interactions with anybody. And I think that's in part because he's literally the only kid that we've seen that has awareness of what's actually going on in the world. And I imagine that he was raised in kind of some sort of isolation. 
And so that, to me at least, gave a reason as to why his character is so awkward around everybody. Yeah. Uh, He also has quite a complex with his own abilities as a commander. Yeah. Uh, When his father is in charge at the beginning of the show, Mm -hmm. he is like complaining about all the decisions his father is making Mm -hmm. and saying like, oh, I could have done so much better if you just put me in charge. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then um, Kazuki's father is actually the one who ends up taking over the command Mm -hmm. officially. Mm Mm-hmm. So he doesn't even get to do it after his father dies. No. So, uh, one of the other major characters I would say is Maya. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a long-term friend with uh, both Kazuki and Soshi. Uh, and she ends up being one of the pilots. I guess they, uh, after this creature finds out where they are and they keep coming, mm-hmm. uh, they decide, well, we got to get out of here and we got to protect ourselves because mm-hmm. apparently our our methods of keeping them away from us aren't working. Mm-hmm. So they decide to raise some more pilots, build mm-hmm. some more mechs, and mm-hmm. uh, start fighting, I guess, more actively. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maya also has a friend named Shoko. Mm-hmm. Uh, she appears to be sick or disabled in some way, mm-hmm. uh, which prevents her from going to school often. Yeah. Um, I imagine this is going to play out as her just being like the the office job sort of mm-hmm. pilot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what it seems so far, at least. She took more of a command role. Yeah, I wonder um, I wonder if like they're going to pigeonhole each kid of like this one kid is really good at command and this one's really good at fighting and this one's really good at like fly and they're each going to have their own special robot. But the power main character thing. is probably the the chosen one who can do it all. He's the Neo. Yeah. Uh, as far as other characters, there were several other students who get adapted into the program and mm-hmm. uh, are chosen to become the next mech pilots. Yeah. Really, none of the other ones kind of stood out to me. No, we we haven't really. I think in the four episodes, we didn't really get to explore much of their personalities. Yeah, even Shoko, they don't spend a whole lot of time on. No. Uh, you really just get more introduction to her because she's friends with Maya. Mm-hmm. And even Maya, you don't get to see her interact with the two other main characters. What do you think of all the adults in their relationship with, with the students? It's weird. Uh, a lot of times they don't even really seem to have one. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Some of the parents uh, of the the kids who were basically drafted into mm-hmm. fighting the, in the mechs were like... Uh, I knew this was going to happen, but I didn't want it to. And, yeah. like, I'm, I don't want them to go out and fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this one couple <laughs> who, uh, I guess they own a bakery or something on yeah. the island. Something. A bar. Yeah, a bar, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be drunk half the show. Yeah. And uh, when they find out that their kid is going to be a mech pilot, they're like, yeah, finally. Woo. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, they're weird. They're weirdos, yeah. Yeah, they complain like the whole time about how inconvenient yeah. it is that these aliens have come and they have to move the island. And Oh, yeah, the the entire island is mobile, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. Since it's artificial, it, it has like propellers underneath it and mm-hmm. they can just move the island like a boat. Sure, sure. So when that happens, they're like, oh, we got to like put all our dishes away so that they don't fall out and stuff. So mm-hmm. inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of leads me to believe that um, since they knew that there was a possibility that their kids would be chosen, that um, it kind of reinforces the idea that these kids were specifically 
bread, whether that means um, like pairing specific adults together to try, you know, like with Ender's Game, um, they like pair people together in hopes that they produce like certain, you know, um, kids. Leadership qualities yeah. and strategic yeah. abilities. And, right. Yeah. So either something like that or that there was some sort of genetic modification that happened to enable these kids to be well-suited genetically for these robots because it has to do something with their genes is why they were chosen. I think uh, in general to kind of wrap up my thoughts on the story is that there's a whole bunch of plot holes here that aren't really making sense to me. Um, Even things like the fact that we talked about there only seems to be a very small number of people on this island Mm -hmm. and they have no external contact with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. None of these people seem to be like farmers or anything no we couldn't figure out the food thing where are they getting food from Mm -hmm. how are they managing any resources at all Mm -hmm. uh i don't know it doesn't make sense yet they had briefly mentioned that the island that they were next to was like a resource center but i don't know if that means like fuel or food or i don't know and still how how do they get there and how do they communicate with Mm -hmm. whoever is over there and then why would it be a good idea to leave it yeah now they're just going to go flow out into the middle of the ocean somewhere. And yeah. what are they going to do? I don't know. Which those answers, you know, since the series is so long running, a lot of that could be answered in later in the series, but definitely not in the first four episodes. No, or they could muck it up way worse and introduce even more plot holes. That's true. Which that's, is probably more likely. That's true. Yeah. My guess is the the whole thing with like them preventing the outside world from seeing them and knowing where they are was really just an introduction to being to the the whole premise of the show of these kids being raised to fight the robots mm-hmm. or to fight the enemies in the robots. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty much just going to throw it out right away and yeah. not going to address any of the problems that come up with no. that. No, there's going to be whole new problems. Cool. Uh, so what do you think of the production qualities for this particular show? Uh, in general, I really like the uh, animation. Um Specifically, the uh, scenery, Um, man, there were times when I was just staring at it being like, this is amazing. It looks really good. It looks really clean. And it had the right amount of details, not so much that it felt cluttered, but enough that it really felt real. This town really felt real. Um, The the base that they're all operating under, I guess it's like under the island, all that felt really real. And it was drawn in a way that was very immersive. Yeah, uh, production IG has a pretty uh, wild history. And <laughs> I think they might have started out as like a subsidiary of Gynax. Mm-hmm. So they worked mm-hmm. on some of the early spinoff stuff like Fooly Cooly mm-hmm. and uh, the later Evangelion stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've produced a whole lot of stuff that's really known for being great animation. Yeah, the only thing that I personally... Yeah, this may just be me being picky. Uh, I wasn't super thrilled about the character designs. Um, I don't know if it was a proportion thing. It just, they all felt kind of like squished proportionately. Um, they had these weird head to hair to eye ratio that I, I just couldn't get behind. Uh, I was going to mention the character designs as well. Yeah. This is the early 2000s. Mm. Like, that's what mm-hmm. anime characters looked like. Right, right. Um, you can look at some pretty interesting progression, like, 
visual infographic kind of stuff about mm-hmm. the way character designs changed and you've got some sweet spots uh, <laughs> and you've got the early 2000s and <laughs> I don't think anyone looking back as a fan of that style they're they're just super weird looking it's funny because I think that's right around the time that I stepped out of anime uh, for a season before I like came back to it yeah maybe it's just our generation that <laughs> can't get into that yeah but um I, I like the way more modern character designs look, mm-hmm. even if they're kind of rounder and mm-hmm. more cutesy, I guess. Sure. Um, and then I, I like some of the 90s designs of, of things. But mm-hmm. yeah, this early 2000s era was, oof, it was rough. And not to say that it was um, drawn poorly or that it was, um, that they did a bad job. It's just that I just, I really felt like the proportions of the characters made me feel disconnected to them. It's like either be cartoony enough where I'm like, this is just that world or be more realistic and then I can relate to it. This felt like they tried to be in the middle and it didn't work at all. Yeah. The characters separated from the actual technical mm-hmm. like execution of the animation. Mm-hmm. I really like that side of things. Yes. Like so far of the things we've watched, Bakemonogatari is kind of a standout, mm-hmm. but that's a really artsy, avant-garde sort of mm-hmm. animation. Mm-hmm. This is more of a straightforward, just technical prowess. Yeah. And uh, I think they executed really, really well. I noted... A few really interesting things. Uh, there were mm-hmm. especially great choices of scene framing and camera mm-hmm. motion and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were also a few great scene transitions. I know which one you're talking about. Uh, there was a character who showed up in a back alley fist fight, and it was only a couple seconds long. Like mm-hmm. one character was just alluding to this other character. Mm-hmm. And to kind of show what the character was all about, mm-hmm. they they flash to this one scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in this fist fight, and one character uh, does an uppercut towards the other one, mm-hmm. and that acts as a screen wipe into the next scene. It was really cool. Uh, and we had to go back and watch it a couple <laughs> times because generally what you'll see in, in this show, I think, is a lot of really well-done stuff uh, with mm-hmm. pleasant effects mm-hmm. that you blink and you'll miss it. Yeah, it happened really fast. I I missed it the first time and we we had to go back for me to even see it because I didn't realize what the transition was. And that's something that I really love is when they put so much attention to that Mm -hmm. kind of detail Mm -hmm. in things that a lot of people might not ever see. Yeah. Uh, But for the people who do, you go, oh, man, they really put some effort into this. You were really excited when that happened. Uh, the only other thing we haven't talked about is the music. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say it's mostly forgettable. Yeah. Uh, the score was done by actually a pretty well-known composer, um, but this one in particular didn't really stand out for me. No. Uh, the intro and outro music for actually every uh, show in all the Fafner series mm. uh, is done by the same band. It's mm. called Angela. Interesting. Uh, it's J-pop. I mean, it felt really out of place, though. I guess usually with mech shows, I'm used to some sort of like rock or something. Like the Transformers theme y- song. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. But this one felt like a 
I don't. Yeah, well, like you said, it was like J-pop. It was just. Um, I, it feels to me like they're angling for the the drama of this show, absolutely. as opposed to the sci-fi and the combat part. Yeah, even the ending, uh, the outro is just the island, and the the like. They're showing you a, a wide view of the island and um, all the all the water, and it's kind of sparkling, and the credits are going, and it's playing this real soft music. Uh-huh. And you're like, this is not what I just watched. No. I literally just watched an a robot take on an alien, and now I'm listening to this weird soothing kind of music. It it was very jarring. And is is that the same part where like uh, headshots of the characters come up and they're all crying? They've got tears coming down yes. their face. Yes. And they're looking off into the distance all... I think that was actually in the intro. Well... But it was the same music. Either way, same way. Yeah, yeah, the music in the intro still was the same sort of feel to it. Oh, no, wait, no, you're right. The crying one is at the end. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Any uh, general likes and dislikes and final thoughts? We kind of talked about this a little bit before. Uh, The characters are not relatable to me Um, personality-wise. I just... I really struggled with the idea that these, they are children, right? They're, I mean, they're high school students, yeah, but they think, are children. I think the main character is 14 when the show starts. So if I was raised thinking, you know, here in the States, you know, it's all, it's all good and dandy and everything is fine. And then I suddenly discovered that Mexico and Canada and most of the world had been completely demolished. I would not be okay. Yeah. At least not for a little while. Um, I'm not saying that they needed to, like, do a whole series on them processing this information, but it's definitely more than a two-minute conversation. Well, and especially, like, knowing that all of these people who are in charge now, who control the whole thing, who knew about the whole situation, Mm -hmm. why would you instantly trust those people and follow their directions? And oftentimes, uh, after after all the kids find out that everything they've ever known has been a lie, they start encountering, like, their parents or their teachers. They all apparently work for Alvis, and they see them down at the base, and they're like, oh, hey, Miss So-and-so. And they're like, I'm not going to talk to you. Like, now everybody treats them radically different, and the kids are just sort of like, oh, okay, I guess this is the new normal. And again, it it just seems so strange to me that it's a weird version of like improv, you know, an improv rule is yes and. You always say yes and, and that seems to be what these kids are doing, but that isn't normal. That's not that's not what an average person would do, and, and that really bothers me. And I don't know if that's something that, like I said, we've talked about the kids being bred for this purpose, if there's some sort of like weird you know, thing in their genes that keep them from feeling emotions. I don't know, but um, it seems very bizarre. And even Kazuki uh, is a weird character. Um, he he is kind of put as the character that's like the hero that actually cares in this hardened world. Um, because like you had mentioned, the UN plane um, comes in and they... Uh, send a signal to the plane so that the plane will intercept the alien and the alien will destroy the plane so that the island can get away. I, guys, it's it's weird. Um, and Kazuki gets in his robot and he's like, 
we can't sacrifice these people. We have to save them. He still seems really flat and passionless. So even when he's kind of arguing, he doesn't have that much energy. He's just sort of like, no, I'm going to save these people. Okay. And, and nobody gets mad at him. Nobody reacts. They're all just sort of like, well, you disobeyed us. Exactly. Like if the entire purpose of this organization and their whole end goal was to prevent the world from knowing who they are and where they are, you would think it would be more than a stop, don't come back. (laughs) And, uh, you know, maybe they would do something to actually take the controls from him to make sure that what they need done gets done. So she actually encourages it and it's just sort of like, well, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. Yeah, even though he's the one who was talking about how in charge he is. And and the fact that he's known this whole time that the world is at risk and there's very few people left. Yeah, he, he should have the same mindset as the adults. Yeah. He's been raised to do this job. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super weird. Um, I, I could not get behind that at all. All right. So you knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Evangelion. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Folks, there are a whole lot of similarities here. But like lesser than. Yeah. So uh, we mentioned last week that I don't particularly have a ton of exposure to mecha anime. Mm -hmm. But what I do know is that there are kind of two variations in the genre. Mm -hmm. There's your Super Robot Wars and Gundam. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you've got your Evangelion. Yep. And they kind of fall between those two camps as far as I'm concerned. Sure. Uh, The Evangelion route is more psychological. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit more philosophical. Mm -hmm. Generally way darker in themes than um, the more, you know, kid-friendly, fun sort of, it's all about big robot fights. Mm Mm-hmm. I think even things like Knights of Sidonia might fall under the Evangelion sort of side of things. Yeah, yeah. But this one has so (laughs) many similarities with Evangelion that it's hard to overlook. Right. Um, I mean, you've got things like kids who are suddenly thrown into the fray Mm -hmm. uh, with no previous knowledge of what was happening. Nope. Uh, Weird parental relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. Large alien-like creatures with similar appearances to the angels from Evangelion, Mm -hmm. similar abilities to the angels. Mm -hmm. Uh, They throw in religious and mythological elements and imagery Mm -hmm. all through this show. They kind of decided to go a Norse mythology route. Sort of. But they also throw in Bible names just for no reason. And also like Egyptian mythology as well. Yeah. One of the creatures was the Sphinx type. Yeah. Yeah. the design of the island that they live on, almost identical. Mm-hmm. Uh, like big weapons and huge metal walls kind of fold out of the the seams of the island itself. Yeah, that happens in uh, it's called Tokyo Three in mm-hmm. in Evangelion, where these walls just pop out and buildings go up and down, and yeah. it looked identical to that. Yeah, uh, there is a secret underground facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this show, it's Alvis. In Evangelion, it's Nerve. Mm-hmm. They're almost the same. <laughs> Even uh, the guy who was originally in charge of uh, Alvis looks basically like Gendo from Evangelion. Yeah, yeah. He just looked like a, a little bit like buffer version. Even the music felt pretty reminiscent, uh, mm. but was also lesser. There's like lots of timpani rolls and stuff <laughs> like that when there's yeah. battles going on. Yeah. And 
all this not to say that Evangelion is completely original and it, you know, is sure. the is the definition of Mecca and everything no. else falls under it. Sure. Um, but there's a reason it's considered a cultural icon mm-hmm. and this one just feels like a cheap knockoff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all that to say, it lacks the one thing that really makes Evangelion great, which is the deep psychological profiles of the characters mm-hmm. and the way that they explore the relationships when these events are happening. Sure. So it's like you said, the character's reaction in Fafner doesn't make any sense. No. The entire point of Evangelion is that Shinji's world is completely torn apart mm-hmm. when these creatures arrive and yeah. he's told, get in the robot, Shinji. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to have it and his 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 world is shattered and he doesn't know how to process it. Yeah, and a lot of the at least from what I know of the show, a lot of the show seems to be about him figuring out how to process it and doing this thing against his will for the betterment of of mankind. Yeah, especially with his uh jerk of a father <laughs> in charge of everything and mm-hmm. and trying to figure out that yeah. that balance of when do I listen to him because he does have, you know, the world's interests at heart, or mm-hmm. is he just trying to screw me over? Yeah. Um, and this show seems to just kind of reduce the same formula down to big robot fights mm-hmm. and uh, lots of people dying. Yeah. And that's that's not what makes a show emotionally charged or right. dark. Yeah. Um, it doesn't work. Sure. If you just kind of throw those punches and hope that they land. Sure. I do have one thing that I liked about this show. Okay. Um, so the character, Kazuki, his voice actor, his English voice actor, I should say, is, uh, somebody that you super love. Okay. It's Johnny Bosch. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) That would be about the same era that he was doing a bunch of Funimation work. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. Do you want to tell them about Johnny Bosch a little bit? Uh, Johnny Bosch... Probably best known as the original Black Ranger, the second Black Ranger. Yes, he was in the movie, the yeah. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. He was yeah. Adam. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then he, he did a bunch of a bunch of anime work, and yeah. uh, I think he has a band too. Yeah, so he's he's pretty much my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So, Colin, would you watch more of this? I'm gonna go with no this time. Okay. I think I, I'm just not at the point where I would invest, knowing how long the series is. Mm-hmm. In uh, these characters that already don't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have time to develop them and work through all these plot holes. But uh, personally, it's not quite what I'm looking for, at least right now. Sure. Um, and I don't think that I could go into it <laughs> objectively without just thinking, oh, this is a worse Evangelion. Sure. So uh, I'll probably pass. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think I agree with you. Um I'm not super interested in watching more of this show, mostly because this show throws a lot of tropes um, at you. So it has things like the really sick girl and the, like, genetic breeding of children. And um, they make deaths really cheap. Um, So they throw characters at you just so they can die. And they're like, ah, you should feel bad about this. Like, isn't this scary? But you have no investment in that. Um, and it seems like anytime they make it look like um, somebody's going to, you know, die, um, like with Kazuki and the and the robot, you're like, ah, did he make it? it? He does, you know, like, 
Um, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And it's like, I, I'd rather watch something that tried a little harder and um, had a little more like heart and spirit to it. Um, and this one, like we said, it just kind of has this cheap knockoff of better shows out there. Not even just, not just Evangelion, but other shows as well. And I'd rather watch one of those. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that about does it for this week. If you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at animonday.moe. That's animonday.moe. You can send us questions or comments to podcast at animonday.moe. And you can find us on our Facebook and Twitter. Our username is animondaycast. And you can find links for that on our website. Thank you so much to Crunchyroll for the nearly infinite repository of anime that you've provided, especially for the random button which produces these wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. <laughs> you can follow along with us each week. We'll have the link to our current title on our website and social media so you can watch what we're watching. Thanks also to C2A for the intro and outro music for our program. Those come from the Senpai EPs, which you can buy from his Bandcamp, and you can listen to them on major streaming services like Spotify. Uh, and since that is probably pretty difficult to find, I'll include links in the show notes, and you can also find them on our website. All right, I think it is about that time to roll. Let's do this. Random button in three, two, one. Our anime for this week is The Asterisk War. <laughs> and our first episode is called Witch of the Resplendent Flames. Man, that is a tongue twister. All right, um, I don't think I've heard of this one. It also does not sound mech, so I don't think we're going to have a third well, season. That's probably <laughs> a third episode. That's probably for the best. We'll, <laughs> we'll swing back to it I'm in the future, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us uh, for episode 10. It's, it's been a whole lot of fun so far, and uh, I think we're really enjoying this, and uh, we look forward to doing lots more episodes. Yeah. Thanks for supporting us so much, guys. All right, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Magic? Magic. Mm. Genre. Action. Harem. No. (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) (laughs) We couldn't win for too long. (laughs) Man, how frequently are these harems going to come up? I don't know. Oh, boy. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it. Open a CQ checking account and get $250 to spend freely. And that's not all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. Visit SECUMD.org today.